Well, good morning, church. It's uh, incredibly weird being the only one in the room right now. There's no sound guy, there's cameras just running on autopilot. Um, but even though I'm here on my own, you and you're all in your homes alone or with your family this morning, I'm so grateful that we get to be together in this way uh, online this morning. Um, it's not a replacement for the real thing, but I'm still grateful that we get to do this. Uh, before I get into the message for this morning, I just want to say that I miss you. I mean, it just stinks that we can't be together. Uh, it stinks even more that some of you are facing really tough situations right now. And we can't come together just to give one another a hug. But um, my sincere hope is that we as a church can hold each other in prayer, uh, that we can keep connected in whatever way possible, by phone in particular. Uh, and if there is any way that our team can help you at present, I just really encourage you to, to reach out. Our prayers are with you. Uh, we are in this together. Annalise is now going to read to us from um, Acts chapter 2, our Bible reading for this morning. This is a passage about the early church gathering together and God moving among them, which might seem strange when we can't gather together physically like they could, uh, but I believe there are still some parts of this, uh, this picture of the church that we can and really must cling to in this season. So uh, over to you, Annalise. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, how do we as the church respond to a pandemic like this? As I've been praying about this over the last couple of days, something I felt God uh, reminded me of was what I spoke about a, a couple of months ago, our four core priorities or core values, if you like, as a church family. Um, I spoke about these at our Vision Sunday and our team has been trying as we uh, make plans and, and go about uh, ministry as a church to live these out well. Um, they are a hunger for God, uh, uh, radical community, investing in the next generation and then introducing people to Jesus. Um, but I was reminded of these just in this last week um, as core, not just for all of time, but especially in a time like this. And I want to reframe them as postures of the heart that we can develop and that we really must develop in the context of this pandemic. And so as we look at what it means to respond as the body of Christ today, uh, let's think about what these four things might mean for us. If you would uh, mind join me in praying, that'd be great. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to meet in our Sunday celebration online this morning. Uh, even though it's not the same as being able to meet together face to face, we do thank you for this opportunity. And we ask, Lord, that as we reflect on the words of Scripture this morning, 
and as we reflect on what you have placed on our heart as a church community and what it means to respond to this, uh, this crisis, that you would show us who you are in the midst of us, who you are calling us to be and what you want us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So our first core value or priority, if you like, is a hunger for God or a spiritual passion. Some, some of the key phrases that we used to, to say as a church over the last 20 years were things like growing faith. Uh, our vision was to know God and from there make him known. Um, what I'm convinced we need in this season as we hunger for God is a complete dependence on him, a complete dependence on God. It's, a, it's really easy to say that we, we have that dependence on God when most things are stable in our lives, isn't it? Well, ironically, when I don't really need to depend on God for financial provision, for security, for good health, it's easy to say, God, I trust you completely because all's going well. It's when things are shaken when we, when we lose our job or, or when we, we can't have personal contact with someone who really keeps us afloat emotionally, when those things are stripped away, we realize, well, what are we really depending on? What are we really clinging to? I don't know about you, but this last week, I, I thought and I hoped that in the midst of all this, I would end up turning to God more. I would, I would be on my knees more, that my prayer life would develop, that I'd, I'd be asking for his strength more. Instead, if I'm really honest, I have felt hurried, I've felt stressed, I've felt anxious, I've been scrambling to do what needs to be done. Um, the, the whole situation has revealed that in my heart of hearts, I say that I depend completely on God. But really, there's a whole heap of other things that I actually lean on too much. Uh, if I'm really honest, I've, I've found it so, so hard to be still this week. Last Sunday, uh, Yoi and the team led us in that beautiful song, uh, I Will Be Still and Know That You Are God, based on Psalm 46. Uh, but it took many, many, many days this week for that to really begin to sink into my heart, and I think it's, it's still a work in progress. And yet, this is where our complete dependence on God really starts. In the stillness. In the, in the place where all other voices are drowned out and where only his voice remains. Uh, his voice is the one that gives us strength, that gives us comfort and hope and peace and confidence, assurance. How are you going being still this week? You might uh, be bored and starting to binge on Netflix and Disney Plus. That's not the same thing, of course. Uh, we've become experts at filling the voids in our lives, but God wants to enter into that void. He wants to show you and I who he really is. And, and I mentioned a while ago that God wants to break down any wrong perspectives that you and I have of his nature and his heart uh, that stop us from wanting to spend time with him. We think he's angry or we think he's uninterested. He wants to, he wants to break down those perspectives and just speak to you, reveal himself to you. 
you know, as I was writing this exact part of my sermon, um, a pastor friend from South Perth sent me and some other pastors a little video message uh, just reminding us of Jesus with his disciples. Uh, and I want to play a bit of that for you. You know, I was reading earlier uh, this morning just from Matthew 8, the story of Jesus in the boat with the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. And the storm comes up and they're petrified, wondering what the heck is going to happen? We're going to drown here. And he's astonished at their lack of faith. And then he says those words, peace, be still. And the, car, the storm just calms. Everything goes quiet. The disciples are astonished. And I believe in the midst of this world situation, he's saying the same to us. Peace, be still. Trust me. I'm not nervous. I've got this. You know, Jesus is in the boat with us. No matter what we're going through, Jesus is in our boat. You can trust him. Make sure in these times you spend some time with him, waiting on him, abiding in him, listening to him, allowing his peace to pervade your whole being. Don't sabotage the peace that he offers. And also in this story, we recognize his power. Jesus Christ is head over every power and authority. He can do far more than you can ask or imagine. So trust him in that. Trust him in that and enjoy his presence. So have a great day. Bless your heaps. Bye. Depending on God, it completely it, it starts with with giving Him our attention, with being still. Elijah heard God's voice, not in the storm or in the fire or in the wind, but in a whisper. And so, as you open your Bible, just take a breath this coming week as you turn off your phones and maybe put the news down for a while. God will speak to you. God will speak to us. And the things that uh, we clung to so tightly, we will begin to let go of. We'll start to hold on tightly to Jesus instead as we realize he's not changing. He won't let us down. While everything else changes and goes haywire, he's constant. I think it's also important as we seek to depend completely on God that we look back at and we share with one another and even with ourselves the ways we've been able to depend on God and how he's come through in the past, including the ways that he has provided for our physical and practical needs. Um, now, I'll admit that this example I'm going to share is a relatively small thing, um, but the piece of equipment that our church ordered a few weeks ago to be able to do uh, the video work for celebrations and stuff online, which happens to come in handy for doing the church on, online stuff. Uh, it was actually faulty on arrival, this piece of equipment. And so the supplier said, look, we've only got a few pieces left in stock. Um, you better post it to us in Sydney so that we can replace it for you. Otherwise, it could be months. Um, but this was on Tuesday and, and uh, it would have uh, had to mean we'd, we would have meant we'd struggle to do anything for the coming Sunday. Anyway, I sent it and it left Canning Vale Tuesday and somehow it got to the supplier in Sydney who confirmed the fault, posted a new one back to us and I kid you not, it reached my doorstep at 4.58pm on Friday. Now, it's not like we couldn't have done something for a celebration online and whatnot uh, without that piece of equipment. Uh, it wasn't essential, but I just felt like that experience of, of, of giving up hope, but then it, it arriving literally right before the close of business, Friday evening, it was like God was saying to me, Luke, 
I've got this. And, and with far more important situations and circumstances, with far more life-impacting things that you are dealing with right now, I feel like he wants to say to you, I've got this. He's saying, lean on me. I'll carry you through this. You can depend on me completely. Our second core value and, and priority as a church family is uh, radical and intentional community. And in this current season, uh, I, I want to suggest that something deeply important for us is creative community. Aside from the, the physical health concerns and financial impact of the crisis, which are absolutely huge, uh, people being isolated disconnected from each other is is such a massive concern when it comes to mental health and a whole range of things. I was speaking to a psychologist a little while ago who, who said that nobody seemed to be addressing, at least adequately, the mental health impacts on our society of the social distancing and the self-isolation uh, now, that, of course, doesn't mean that we kind of blow off one kind of medical advice and we just go over to each other's houses in a rush. But I, I believe with all my heart that God has called the church to be creative in a time such as this, to find ways to gather, quote, unquote, communicate with each other, uphold one another in ways that are not just a cheap substitute for real community, but actually really do allow the body of Christ to be healthy and be strong through this time so that we may be a blessing to others. Uh, I, I want to share something with you that's been on my heart and on my mind for some time. We live in the most socially isolated society the world has ever seen. And I'm not talking about in the days since the coronavirus has hit. I'm talking about for the recent years, 2019, 2020, in Perth, Australia, and, and in the Western world as a whole. We are more connected than ever with our smartphones, yet we are more isolated from one another relationally than humanity has ever been before. Did you know that we touch our smartphones on average more than 2,000 times a day? And if we're honest, many of those times are at the dinner table and on the couch after the kids have gone to bed. I'm fully guilty of this. But what if in this season that we are now in, it prompted us to do a couple of things? Firstly, to use the thing which has actually isolated us from one another to, to connect us in meaningful and positive and creative ways. But secondly, at other times, to put the thing down in our own home, to put it aside and, and to find new and life-giving ways to connect as a family. Now, it might seem like those two things are in contradiction, but I actually think they could go together. Some of you are, are home alone. You, you don't have a family to connect with physically. Um, and so you need this to connect with others. But you know what? You can turn off social media and the news as much as possible at least. And the distraction and, and everything that gets in the way and simply use it as what it's meant to be, a phone, to talk, to connect maybe on video call to play board games with each other over a video uh, uh, call. 
Pray together with friends from the church. Eat your dinner with another person who is at home alone on a video call. Uh, whatever it might be, just sharing your day. The other day, it was we, we, we called someone on video over breakfast. As a church family, we are absolutely committed to connecting creatively in this season. If you're at our Sunday celebration online right now, this is just one way that we're being creative in order to build community. There's the chat area over on your right, uh, the live prayer button. You can click to pray with a leader privately and ask them to give you a call if you'd like. We've got life groups and play group and other groups meeting via video calls. We've get, we're, we're getting on the phone to each other more often just to check in. WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger groups. I'm looking forward to worshiping and having prayer sessions online. Now, I know it's easy to say, okay, yeah, 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 but that's not really the same. Is, it, is that really that important? Well, here's my observation. So much of what makes a community relationally connected, whether that community is big or small, is not the short time during the week when we're all together. That's part of it. But so important is the ongoing, daily, personal, one-to-one communication. And in this day and age, much of that already happens by technology, if it happens at all. Now, we will miss the face-to-face for sure, but let's look at the opportunity that we have here. Listen again to Acts chapter 2. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. Now, I know we can't do that. But some of it we can. They devoted themselves to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And the believers met together in one place. Again, we know we can't do that. But they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, I read this and think, A few of those things we can't do right now, for sure. But the other things, uplifting and encouraging one another, praying for one another, caring for each other sacrificially, those things are absolutely possible, if not essential in a time like this. What if at the end of all this we found that no one was in need because the church which is not a building or a gathering, but you and I decided that we would really be a family. That we would do community radically and creatively in this time. Our church's third core value is is about investing in the next generation. Alongside what I've just been talking about, I believe that in this season, something that we must do is re-embrace the holiness of the home. We must make the home a holy, set-aside place. For those of you who live alone or are are empty nesters, this might be a little bit less applicable to you, although you can still be praying, encouraging, supporting, as I mentioned before. But for those who are at home with kids in particular, this is the, the time to reclaim your household as the primary place where faith develops 
and grows and is nurtured. In the last couple of weeks, I was uh, looking back at our philosophy of ministry with families and children as a church and and was reminded of how there's so much research that confirms that when parents are, that parents must be the primary disciples, the primary faith developers of their kids. Otherwise, whatever the church does will be in vain. The best thing that we can do as a church family to develop faith in our young people is to come alongside families to help make those homes a holy place. Holy just means to be set apart. Those homes to be set apart for growing in faith, in growing in love, and growing in hope. This is what our future families pastor will focus on, God willing. This is some time away now, but when it happens... That's what their focus will be. But in the meantime, we have as a church an incredible opportunity to reclaim the home as the place where church really happens. To have things like thank-offs at at the dinner table instead of having our phones. A thank-off, it's just a name we came up with, um, is where you all share what you're thankful to uh, God for that day. You share as many things as you can that you're thankful for. Uh, We can do uh, activities as a family around Bible stories. We'll try and bring resources for that. Uh, We can pray together at a set time each day. We can go on prayer walks around the neighborhood, praying for the community, keeping good distance from others, of course. Uh, We... We've not been able to get um, something running this Sunday that I'm working on, but I'm working, hopefully, with the amazing Mark Killingworth uh, to follow up our Sunday celebration online in future weeks with some kind of family time or family party, we might call it, uh, at our church online website immediately after the sermon and the closing prayer where we can have an intentional time of connecting together as families. And we're going to do our best, aside from that, to provide resources, encouragement, ideas, but most importantly... Let's just connect with each other's house as households of faith, in our households of faith. Simple little things that let our kids see who we really look to for security and peace and comfort and strength because they imitate us. Let's reclaim the household as holy for God, a place where faith develops. Finally, one of our core values and priorities as a church as a family of believers, is introducing people to Jesus. We've seen many people come to faith in the Billabong over the 20 years of its its existence. Uh, And at a time such as this, I really believe with all my heart that we, the church, are to bring hope to the lost. The world around us, particularly in the West, feels that it does not need God. As I mentioned earlier, even we Christians at time like, times like this realize how much we depend on other things. But uh, when other foundations are shaken and found to be unstable, something begins to shift in people's attitude towards the spiritual. I recently read a book. Uh, it was written just last year by a pastor in Melbourne, Mark Sayers, He talks about the secularist life script, uh, which is kind of a way of saying the view that we're all fine, even better off without God. Uh, We're better off without religion. We don't need God, religion, any of that. 
Uh, here's what Mark Sayers writes. The secularist life script in which humans attempt to live without having to confront the great questions of life creates insulation against faith. However, this insulation is not as secure as it may seem. For example, during the global financial crisis of 2008, the global banking system came terrifyingly close to a catastrophic worldwide Great Depression, which would have fundamentally changed the kind of lives we now live. And he goes on to say, if we endured a global flu pandemic, remember he wrote this about 12 months ago, um, a little bit prophetic, a global flu pandemic like the one in the early part of the 20th century that killed millions of people across the world, how we view and process our personal potentials and possibilities would be deeply shaken. He says, in Australia, after the attacks on 9-11, church attendance went up for a short period of time. This was in a country across the other side of the world from the attacks. Why? Because the Western secularist bubble of radical individualism and hyper-consumerism was pierced. Briefly, the mythology that it's possible to live a life without God or greater meaning for many people was rattled. Your lifestyle, your freedom, your approach to faith and meaning are shaped by large-scale factors, factors out of our control which we assume to be stable and secure, but which in reality can change suddenly. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are being called into an incredible opportunity right now. Not to take advantage of people's emotional instability or anything like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about offering real dependable, unchanging hope where everything else is proving itself to be unreliable. I'm talking about giving people the very peace they've been looking for. But, but now I'm starting to realise they've been looking for it in the wrong place. I'm talking about offering people the kind of love they are so desperate for as they feel scared and anxious and, and angry about everything that's happening. And that hope, that peace, that love, his name is Jesus. He's the hope, the peace, the love, the joy that every single person on this planet is looking for because he's the only one who will never ever fail us in our time of need. The early church, as it became completely dependent on God, as it got creative and radical in its community, and as, it, and as love for one another uh, became, and as it made the home holy, it saw something amazing begin to happen. Here's what happened in the church. Continuing where we left off before, they worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper. I know we can't do that sharing their meals with great joy and generosity. But all the while, they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Friends, we have hope for the lost. And this possibility of people being saved 
coming to Jesus, finding new life in him. It's not being squashed by the coronavirus. I believe it's being increased. As we begin to really be the church, people will look at us and realize there's something stronger than sickness. There's something stronger than sorrow and death among us, the body of Christ. There is a power that has overcome the grave, and he is here among us. Let me put it this way. This coronavirus, COVID-19, is uniquely powerful in its impact because it's spread so easily. It's, it's contagious. It's so contagious and so powerful. Uh, at a wedding in Sydney, 35 people were infected in one hit. It's absolutely devastating to see what's happening in Italy right now, for example. It's the, the reason that we're all in lockdown. It's so contagious. But furthermore, fear is contagious. Worry is contagious. And all of these things are happening too. We're seeing the panic and anxiety spread across the world like never before. It's contagious. But let me ask you a question. If today someone discovers a cure, like a real proven, guaranteed cure to this thing. That would be good news, right? And how fast do you think that good news would spread? I'm telling you, it would, it would go across the world as quick as anything. People would hear, there's a cure. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the good news of Jesus is contagious too. Hope is contagious Peace is contagious. Even faith is contagious. The good news of Jesus can spread so rapidly and so effectively through nothing more than a phone call, than a conversation, an invitation even to church, our celebration online. We carry the good news. So let me finish by reminding you today, reminding us of what the good news is. We were created for relationship with God, but we, all of us, went our way, falling short of his glory and becoming separated from him. But he sent his son, Jesus, to die in our place. The penalty, the effect of our sin taken on his body for us. However, Jesus rose from the dead, conquering the power of sin and death. And now by placing our trust in him, we can have new life, free from our guilt and our shame because his spirit now lives in us. And one day, friends, he's coming back and he's making all things new. So that sin and sickness and sorrow pain and even death itself will be no more. This is our hope. This is the good news. If you're a follower of Jesus, you just need that hope to fill your heart again this morning you to place your hands out like this like you're receiving a gift again as I pray for us Heavenly Father you love us with an unconditional love 
and you hold the whole world in your hands. Father, you want us to know this morning that everything is okay, that you've got this, and that you have dealt already with the effects of sin on this world. You've dealt with death and sorrow and sickness and the pollution of this planet in every sense of the word. And you are making all things new. It's not going to happen right now, but it is happening, Lord Jesus. You are coming back to make all things new, and this is our hope. We thank you that in the meantime, you give us a peace as you fill us with your Holy Spirit, a foretaste of the new creation that we may know without a doubt that you are present among us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. As we continue to pray this morning, if you're watching online uh, and you're not a follower of Jesus, you've just ended up here one way or another, but there's a stirring in your heart and you don't know why Jesus is the peace and the hope you've been looking for, um, but you sense that that is true that he is that peace and that hope. I want to pray with you this morning as you place your trust in Jesus, if that's what you want to do. Firstly, I'd love you to uh, click the button that's coming up on your screen right now below me that says, I choose to place my trust in Jesus, if that's working. Uh, Not if you're already a Christian. This is for those who want to make this commitment for the very first time. And I'd love you just to pray with me echoing the words I pray if you're choosing to commit yourself to Jesus this morning. Pray this. Jesus, thank you for loving me and dying for me. I'm sorry for living my own way and trusting in things other than you. I give my life to you and place my complete trust in you. Thank you for giving me new life and a secure hope. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that with me this morning, uh, we would absolutely love to hear from you, to support you, and really encourage you to hit the live prayer button down below uh, to chat with one of our leaders, just to let them know and to to follow up so we can support you, pray for you, and and, and uh, communicate with you. Um, I'm going to hand over now to Cam, who's going to close our celebration this morning. God bless you, church. See you next Sunday.